people often throw out the word maturity. Are you mature? Will you ever mature? Mature already, will you? Maturity is managing stresses without resorting to escapism or criticism even when irritated or exhausted. I'm going to say this again because it's a very important definition. Maturity is managing the stresses without resorting to escapism or criticism even when irritated or exhausted. However, some married people never make this transition. They remain immature, wanting to be free, to have fun or pursue their careers without the burden and responsibilities of marriage and parenthood. Although there are also women like this, the phenomenon is more common in men. The married bachelor type is well known to advisors and rabbis who chastise them, but rarely see change. Many of these men did not really get, want to get married, but succumbed to family or social pressure, feeling that they were forced into marriage, forced to have children. Their revenge is seen as passive-aggressive refusal to accept responsibility and an attitude of resentment toward the restrictive wives and stifling way of life, etc. I want to talk about some of the main reasons. Again, what I'm doing is I'm, I'm putting you in a different place, and I want to back up. Why will you get to this place? This happens very often. Actually, I want to tell you, I see this very, very, very often. I see it not in this extreme way, but I see it in some way. Most men think that if they get married, they don't really think through the, what's going to happen. They do think that they could remain somewhat of a single parent, somewhat of a single person married, and kind of nothing will really change. Because in essence, what's really changing? Not much. Maybe a ring or two. That's it. <laughs> There's not really too much changing. So they've decided somewhere along the line that I still, I'm still the same person. I love how these guys, they all get married. They say, I'm still the same guy, okay? Oh, and all, all your friends. I don't think, nothing is changing. Nothing is changing. You can call me at 3 o'clock in the morning, I promise. <laughs> right. <laughs> we really believe you. <laughs> Every single time. I had a friend that got married before me. And he says to me, don't worry, I, I, nothing, there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong, you can call me anytime. Anyway, so one night... Uh, <laughs> I called them. <laughs> I don't know, 1.30 or so. Anyway, there's a female voice in the other line. What are you calling so late? <laughs> So I, I learned my lesson. Maybe you think nothing's changing, <laughs> but you're not getting married to yourself. <laughs> so I don't know why. I don't know why. And, and the truth is, it's very important to know that it, you, things will change. And that's okay. You want them to change. No one's expecting to be the same person you were. If it was, why are you even bothering spending so much time and money doing all this? Why date? Why this? Just get disposable women. I don't know. Go to the Dominican or something. 
become a professional dater. You see, you can become a, a dater. No, it, you, you go, you're dating for marriage because you know that your life will change for the better. Now let's talk about what's the issues. And I've, I've brought tonight, today, a lot of issues. And I think it's important, and, and I know we're not going to be able to get through all of them. Is this a male bashing class? This is a male bashing class. All the women on one side. <laughs> yes, we will bash all the males. But I want to tell you, even though some of the issues are more prominent than males, there's a reason why you're attracted to those guys. So watch out. <laughs> and I think that based as part of the evolution of last week, I want to talk about why men do these things and why women are attracted to men who do these things. But also, why are they attracted to us if yeah. that's what they're not looking for? It's a very because good question. they want to just date, and why are they attracted to the women that want marriage, children, family, the whole thing? So let's try to take as many situations as we can. And I'm not going to get through all of them. So if somebody, you know what? Can you give me a pen a second? Just throw me a pen. I'm just going to quickly go through them. We're not going to get through all of them today, but just start throwing out the ones that you want to talk about. Just go through this list. Tell me, what, what do you want to talk about? Anyone? Selfishness. Selfishness. Narcissism you want to talk about? Yeah, a lot of magic. Okay. What else? Dependency. Dependency you want to talk about? Okay. Anxiety. Anxiety. Good. Nagging. Nag nagging? Anyone else want to talk about nagging? It's called nagging. Yes. Okay. Impatience, I think, is a very big one. I think it's important. Anyone else? Uh, the ones I'm skipping, just to tell you, magical thinking, nobody really cares about, okay? Irresponsibility? No, no one's irresponsible. Escapism? Escapism, anyone? Okay. Suspiciousness? Sh yeah? Okay. Shame? These are all personalities. Rage? Despair? Failure? Okay. So I'm going to skip a few of them, but we'll try to go through as many as we can. Let's talk about narcissism. He wants to be the center of his wife's world, expecting her to be available 24-7 to take care of his needs, including three-course meals and a spotless house, without having to get anything in return. Plus, he wants her to work full-time. Plus, he wants her to work full-time, of course. <laughs> and be the trophy wife. <laughs> what he's looking for is a mother. What he's looking for is the love he never got. He's looking for not a person, but a thing. He's looking for not a personality, but an item. Looking to buy a wife. There are people, there are people who buy wives. It's, it's actually becoming more and more common. You have a lot of money. You, and I can't believe, I've heard people have said this, and I can't believe they actually said it. I have a lot of money, you'll never have to worry, period. If anyone ever says that to you, run. And if you've ever said that to somebody, shame on you. 
What they're saying is that you're going to be my wife. But I'm going to provide security for you, which a lot of women are looking for. So I own you? I own you. They want to own you. And I think in, in, in past years, this was much more common than it is today. But at the same time, it's a very, very big issue. And it's happening today in a very weird, in a very disgusting way. So no one's saying that there's not expectations in a relationship. What we're saying is, if you want to get, the ex be able to give. It's a two-way street. The more you give, the more you get. If you're expecting a narcissistic life, then you better be ready to give a narcissistic life to somebody else. And not just money, because money doesn't do very much. Dependency. If he had a pampering mother, he wants his wife to continue to mother him, to massage his ego, build him up, and accept him unconditionally, no matter how immature he is. If he had a critical, controlling mother, he may see all women as threatening and trying to dominate and will transfer up all his bottled-up feelings of rage and helplessness onto his wife expressing the fury he could not express as a child. Dependency is a huge thing. In general, addiction is very, very big in the world today. People like to get addicted to things because they can hide from who they really are. And very often, we don't say it's an addiction, but dependency in a relationship is an addiction, which means I am addicted to the feeling that my mother gave me every single time she boosted me up. I'm addicted to it. So therefore, I want to find someone who will boost me up the same way my mother does. I'm looking for my mom. Or if my mother is controlling, I'm, addicting to that, I'm addicted to that controlling behavior. It's very important, and you can't find this out on the first date, but if you're dating somebody seriously, it's very important to see who they are. And the best way to find out how someone's going to be in a relationship, there's no way to know. They were never married. They were never a spouse. And even if they were, it's still hard to know. You can see their families. So the, the only way to really know is to see how are they with the people they have to be around. Not with their friends who they can dispose of at any time. Not with their friends who come and go. How are they? What is the relationship with the people they have to be around? And think about yourself. Don't only think about the person you're dating. Think about yourself. How am I with the people I have to be around? My parents, my siblings, my grandparents. Grandparents usually we have a good relationship with. It's easy. But what about our parents? If I have a difficult relationship with my parents, the odds are I'm probably going to have a difficult relationship with my spouse. And there's a way to avoid that. We have to understand, why, am I, why do I have an issue with my parents? What happened? What did my parents do to me? Can I rectify that? Forgiveness is a huge thing. I'm not going to talk about it today, but forgiveness is a huge thing. And yes, they may have done stuff when you were a child. And yes, maybe they're wrong. But there's an interesting, if you look in the Torah, 
there are, there are Ten Commandments in the Ten Commandments, hence the name Ten Commandments. The first four are between man and God. Believe in one God, don't bow down to molten images, so on and so on. The next five are between man and man. Don't kill, don't steal, no jealousy, etc. There's one in the middle, number five. What does it say? It says, honor thy father and thy mother so that your days shall be lengthened upon this earth. It says honor. Kabed, kabed. Respect, honor, it's about the same thing. Kabed is, is revere, really, it's revere. It says two things. Number one, it says, honor your father and mother. And then it says something it never says anywhere else in the whole Torah. So your days will be lengthened. You will have a long life by honoring your parents. There's a lot of explanations about this. One of the most interesting explanations is that, according to many opinions, this is a, both a commandment between man and God and between man and man. Because your parents, in a way, are like a God to you. Because there are three partners in your creation, God and your parents, your father and mother, and therefore, they are like a God to you. And no matter what they do, there's a story in the Talmud about a prince whose mother was crazy, and she used to like to, to, to beat him with, his, with, the, with, with, the, with, with her shoe. And every single time the shoe would, throw out, would fall out of her hand, he would hand it back to her. So no matter what, so if you have parents that abuse their children or do terrible things to their kids, they're, you're still supposed to respect your parents regardless. I can't answer that. Here's some pretty horrible stories. I mean, just for example, that woman in the news that wanted to kill her daughter for coming home late. What? Yeah. Yeah. I can't. She she literally was stabbed her across the face. I can't answer that blanket. I can't answer that blanket because in our society today, in our world today, there's a lot of crazy stuff going on. If you have an extreme case like that, case by case. But I think most of us don't. And whatever emotional abuse our parents put on to us, it's forgivable. So let me ask you, what if, like in with Joseph in the Bible, let's say you're not, I mean, Jacob and Joseph, and let's say you're not Joseph, and it hurts when your parents, there's favoritism. It's, you can say, yeah, suck it up, but it's not easy. That, like, it's a lot of, so what do you answer when there's favoritism? You have to deal with it. You have to deal with it. It's fav- oh. Favoritism is very common. It's very, very common. You have to, you have to, to, to talk. I mean, you have to, to, to these, these emotions, these things are, are, are the most important, the most, the biggest problem is, for most of us with this stuff, is not the actual thing that happened. It's the fact that we've never been validated. That no one's, we've never spoken to anyone. No one's ever said, you're okay. Okay, it's part of growing up. No one ever said this to us. And, and until you can go through the process, and I'm not saying right this moment, you need to go through that process of speaking to somebody and that person giving you the proper advice that is necessary for your situation. It's very common. If there's many children in a family, there's going to be, even if the parents don't favor one child, there's going to be a feeling of favoritism because every child wants their parents for themselves all the time. That's what a child wants. If you have siblings, it's not going to happen. So therefore, you're always going to think you're not getting enough. 
Again, you have to understand a lot of the issues that you're that a lot of the issues that we have are childhood issues before we understood. So we're still dealing with the emotions of childhood issues, which are really not childhood issues. And once you go through that process and you discuss them and you work through them, you'll realize they're not as they're not as crazy and insane as we thought they were when we were eight years old. And it's really, really important to get over them. Not, I'm not saying suck them up. I'm saying to deal with them and to face them and to say, I'm, I'm okay. But honoring your parents doesn't mean standing in harm's way either. It's, it's being kind to them. I agree. I agree. And again, there are extreme situations. I'm not talking about extreme situations. I'm talking about average situations, which I think most of us have experienced. Just average situations, whether it's sibling rivalry, whether it's favoritism, whether it's divorce, whether it's um, a parent doing whatever, whether it's a tough parent, whether it's a too kind parent, they're human beings. And I think that it's important to just be able to honor them today as adults for who they are. Do you, now, I'm not saying that you're going to be able to get to that today. To deal with the situations that happened in the past, and then once you've dealt with that situation, to be able to say, this is my parent, this is the person that God entrusted my soul with. This is the person that God entrusted my soul with. And because God entrusted my soul with this person, is God wrong? You say Hashem is wrong. The wrong parent. I was born to the wrong parents. No, obviously I was born to the right parents. And maybe the experiences I've had in my life helped me to get to where I am today. I had somebody came came to see me, and we started talking about relationships and things. Anyway, it came out that his father was very tough on him, and he was never good enough. He never did anything right, and he still has that feeling of resentment that he never did anything right. Today, he may not be successful in his relationships, but he's very successful in other ways, in other places. And I and I realized what happened. It's true that it, it, it hurt him, but it really caused him to, be, to become an, incre- an incredible achiever. And I think there's a value to that also. It's not only, yes, there's issues that happen as a result of it, but the fact that he has this drive to achieve and to prove that he can do it, there's value to that. He's going to be a successful person in life. I'm not saying that that's the, the only answer, but there's also good things that happen as a result of whatever we're pushed on. And, and someone who's, who's, who's over-mothered, is also, it's, it's also a good thing in certain ways. Yeah, to a certain degree, because <clears throat> a great achiever always has like a half-full grasp. Never, he never gets that satisfaction. But at the same time, there's also, uh, yeah. <laughs> also this perfectionism in it, which is also a problem. For a human being to try to be perfect is impossible because we're not perfect. It's hard to be around them. <clears throat> Very hard to be around them, yeah. Always trying to prove that they're better. Selfishness. He doesn't mind giving, but only if he initiates the act. He may be known in the neighborhood as the good guy who always has time to help others. But if his wife initiates a request... He may become verbally or even physically abusive, seeing her as a demanding nag. Hey, 
and for everybody else, for the whole world, the time of day. Except for this person's wife or husband. That's selfish. That means when I'll get recognition and fame, I'll do it. But, I mean, what? My wife, my husband will always be there. Who cares? We'll just take care of it. We'll just, uh, <laughs> what does it matter? That's very easy. It's a very easy. It's very easy to do something when you're expecting recognition in return. But what about if whatever you're doing is thankless and you know that no one's even going to realize it? Why should I do it? No one will even see what I did. Because we don't do things in life to be thanked for it. If you do something for me, it's my obligation to thank you for it. But if you do it in order to be thanked, you better deal with it. Because you're not going to go very far. Or you may go very far superficially, but not internally. Because you only do things that you get thanked for, so therefore superficially you're going to look like you're doing a lot. But really you'll be doing nothing. Yeah. Yes. The next one, we, uh, we're going to skip the next two because that was your choice. Impatience. <clears throat> Impatience, I think, is, the, is, is maybe the biggest one. When he wants to go, he goes. If he invites her to come along, he resents having to wait for her to get ready. Organize a babysitter, organize a children's food or belongings for the outing. He doesn't seem to understand that a mother cannot simply pick up and go at a moment's notice. As the wife becomes aware that she has essentially married a man who has remained a child, she falls into despair. After all, love means that the other person's happiness is as important as your own. And in this case, there's no real love. Instead of having a partner or a friend, she has an adversary. Feeling resentful, betrayed, and lonely, she begins to display new symptoms. Things in relationships don't happen automatically. People do not become nags. People are not born nags. There's a reason why the girl you're dating is a nag. It may not be your fault. It could be because of the last relationship. That she was trained that in order to, get a, to, be, in order to be able to get a guy's attention, you've got to nag him. And yes, it's the biggest, one of the biggest issues we deal with is that when you're getting someone, you're getting a package. You're getting all their past relationships and all the past education they've had through those relationships. So, and you can't, you can't hide from that. It may be the most amazing person in the world. They're going to have issues. They're going to have baggage they bring with them to the relationship. It's just important to be able to specify, to be able to communicate. That's why I always say, if you can communicate, everything will be okay. Because if you can say, 
I don't like the fact that you're being nagging. And then you can try to figure out why she's nagging. What did I do? What did I do to make you nag? I don't want to do that anymore. Or what did someone else do to make you nag? And then you can discuss and have a, a, a normal conversation without accusing, without judging, just to say, let's resolve this issue. I really want, it really bothers me. I can't be in a relationship with someone who, who's nagging. It, it bothers me, and I want to be able to know what I can do so that you don't do this. Not in that way, obviously. I once had a dance partner who was launching out criticism. He wanted to be criticized as a dancer. I laughed, but I was like, yeah, like, it's funny. And for you gals out there, I think it's important to understand that the guys go through, have, it's much harder for them because men in general see things much more black and white. And women see, uh, see much more gray area. So you may see something that he doesn't even see. And then when you go accusing him of it, he's going to come back and, 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 and bark at you because what are you accusing me? What are you bringing up my issues for? So you have to be very, very careful, very, very careful to, to be able to deal with it in a very nice way. And, and if you realize that he, you're not responding... Because they're not you. No, but I, just, I, I guess I'm curious to know. It's because you're not looking for your, because you're, because you're not looking to marry a sister. You're looking to marry a compliment to yourself. Right. If the person had everything that you have, then you know, women in general have certain. It, 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 it gets down. It gets down to the, all the primal things, like what, what was a woman's job in, in, in the jungle, so to speak. You know, and she, she had to be the intuitive one. She had to go find the food. She had to go. There's a lot of things that women have in order to be able to take care of the family and to understand, you know, if, if, if the mother and the father are so intuitive to the child's needs, the child's going to become crazy. <laughs> you know, you can't have two crazy people over you. Only one. But that's the... <clears throat> no. I'm not saying crazy. <laughs> I'm saying that, that w women have a way to be able to... to understand needs in a very in a very intuitive way and be very sensitive that, to those needs. And it's great and I love the fact that I have that capacity, but it's very frustrating because of the fact that they don't. But that's not his role. I know but when you're trying to have a communication with a man, they don't see anything the way we see it and they just see us as nuts. Because you're trying, when you, you, you have to understand, and the, the, a lot of the trick to the, to, to the whole situation is the way you talk and how you talk. You're trying to speak to him as if you would speak to one of your girlfriends. That's the thing. Never. So how do we give it? It's very simple. Women want to be heard. Men want, to, want the answer, want the problem solved, want the solution. It's all in the presentation. How do we as women Give me a situation. Throw out a scenario. You never pay enough attention to Well, but she's right. The, the man has to also realize over time that, yeah, well, I just have to listen to her and I just have to build up in here. But what happens is, most situations is, he's trying to solve her problems and she's just trying to listen to him. He's like, come on, tell me, give me an answer. And she's like, stop already. And, and, and that's where the conflict happens because we're all trying to give what we want instead of what they want. And there, there is... When proper communication is knowing what your partner wants. When you first get involved with 
talk with someone, there's there's that period where you're nervous to say too much, you don't want to rock the boat. So you tend to notice things, but you maybe don't say anything because you're afraid if you do, the guy's going to bolt. Because let's be honest, if they can find a reason to bolt, they do. No offense, but it happens. But then when you don't say anything, and so they're not saying anything, and you're not saying anything, and then all of this not saying anything gets piled onto, onto each other, inevitably the relationship breaks because you're not saying anything, because you're afraid that they're not going to understand, and the whole thing just falls. Well, it has to be at the right time, though. If you do it too early, then you can't do it if you wait too long, then you pile right, on so a big piece of garbage. Like, it's not... It, when do you know when the right time is? How do you know how to say it? How do you know it's not going to rock the boat? It's, it's, it's frustrating because I think as women, I know I'm becoming more aware of, of things that maybe annoy or I don't want to say things to frustrate a guy, so, you know, I'll hold back. But then it causes a whole, you know... We put ourselves in a really tough situation. It's frustrating. Oh, it's because we're all afraid. It's in delivery. How you say it. You also have self-fulfilling prophecy the way that you just said right now. A man will find any way to bolt. Right. You're telling yourself that. Yeah, like you're expecting it. You're shooting then, yourself in the foot. And then you create it. And and again, part of I think a part of the issue wow. is that part of the issue is, and if I can echo what Louis said, is 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 that for some reason, someone over the years, some man has trained you that this is what happens. Obviously, somebody bolted on you. Let's say. So if they both of you, so you have to figure out yourself, well, what, it, wasn't, it wasn't your fault. It obviously wasn't your fault. If somebody bolts on you, you didn't do anything to, to make them. That person has a free will to bolt on you. Now you have to decide today that that's not who I am. And okay, why you're attracted to that person, I don't know if we're going to get to that today. But that's important to understand as well, why you like a person like that. That could be a good answer. I don't look to change people, though. I really don't. Like, I don't sit there thinking, how can I make him better? Like, I don't ever go into relationships that way. But if, you're, talking, you're, but if you're dating the same type of guy doing this to you, that you feel doing this to you repeatedly, then maybe you're, you're attracting that, that guy that you're trying to go and find the case to go and change. Like, it's, 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 it's a very... It, it falls along the lines of, you know, I'm, I'm not saying this would be your example, right? But if you have, like, no confidence, you're going to attract people. You mirror, like you're looking for a partner, so you're going to mirror the person that you're looking for, which means the nonverbal communication, the stuff that you don't talk about, is really what is what you're looking for. And again, if you have this self complex that. I'm not going to find anybody good. You're not going to find anybody good. If you have this self-complex that the person is going to bolt on me, then the person will bolt on you. And, and you're going to be attracted to that kind of person. And I think it's really important, even if you don't believe it, that you try to figure, you try to say to yourself that, you know, this is what I'm looking for. I think it can help if you realize that men have like two split parts, right? This is why we work... Right, we, we have to create a bridge between the, uh, the intellect and, and the neshama. And the emotions. Whereas the, 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 the women is more integrated. Yes. So they, this is why they don't need to do the work of men. Right. But I also find that sometimes when we deliver things to men, we're not clear, 
and then they panic because they don't exactly understand what we're trying to say to them. Absolutely. So they bolt because they're always in the back, what does she mean, what does she mean, what does she mean, what does she mean, and then they take off because they don't even, you know, they don't understand. I think it's a... I can say I I can say even myself the people that you know, the 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 women that come to me and, and they're saying something and I know they're not really like they're they're expecting that I'm going to understand what they're saying without saying it and and I think that that's the way you talk to your girlfriend it makes sense because women by nature will understand each other in a very in a much more of a superficial level and a much more of an intuitive level well man will not understand that you have to display it you have to say this is it and not emotional. And that's why I say, if you're in a conflict, don't deal with the situation. Wait till you can deal with it from an intellectual level. Don't start screaming, because you're not going to get anywhere. All you're going to do is start accusing. Yeah? What you were saying before about the women think more black and white, women think more gray area. In a way, you need to have one doing one and one doing the other, because if two people are black and white, then there's no gray area, and you need that gray area. If people are gray, then none, in a way, nothing will ever get done. You're both too, like, like you're, you're floating. You need to be sometimes you need I think, I think that I think that by nature, women, men are more visionaries and women are more detail oriented, and I think that's great because that's a great relationship. If you can have one visionary, somebody who's, who can see the big picture. But usually people who see the big picture can't see the little stuff. It's very rare to find someone who can see the entire, who can see the, the entire big picture and follow it through. Right. Most, if you look at most CEOs, visionaries, they'll surround themselves with people who can follow their, 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 their visions through. And there are a lot of people who like to be the people who follow visions through. They can't figure out the whole thing. And I think... That is, if you had to break down the male-female relationship to its core, to its essence, without all the garbage that the world put onto us, but if you had to break it down, I think you'd find that that is very much the key, is that the, the man is the visionary and the woman is the one who can follow it through. And I think if you, if you think about that a second, I don't want to go through all of what that means today, but if you think about that a second, you'll realize that some of the conflicts in our relationships are a result of that role being reversed. A lot of people are very good. Visionaries sometimes are very good at detailed stuff. That, that doesn't mean that they're detail-oriented people. And detail-oriented people sometimes are very good at visions. Doesn't mean they're visionaries. It's a big difference in a lot of because we can do something, I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying it to you specifically, I'm saying it in general. Because we can do something, we think we are this. We, we've learned in our society to label everything. Because if you label it, it makes sense to us. Stereotype, oh, that guy's got a kippah and a beard, oh, I know, crazy religious. You know, it, it, everyone's stereotype. <laughs> I met somebody last night, uh, ask me questions. So my answer is, you don't have an accent. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> it's like, looking at me, you don't have an accent. 
I'm not sure. <laughs> something like that. <laughs> something like that. Like all of a sudden, we expect we've we've learned to 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 label everything. OCD, ADD, ODD. Da, 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 everything's got a D. And I I was teaching special ed once, and and uh, I, I teach special ed. So uh, one kid came came in one day and said, "I'm better than a doctor." I said, "Really?" Yeah, I said, really, you're better than a doctor. Tell me how. He says, well, a doctor only has one D, but I have two Ds. <laughs> Doctor's only an MD, but I'm ADD. <laughs> I, I think that we, 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 we decided that, you know, we've got to label everything. Otherwise, it doesn't, if it doesn't fit into our box, it doesn't work. And anything that doesn't fit into our box, throw it in the garbage. Because it doesn't make sense. Oh, my, this person's out of the box. Totally broke every stereotype I ever had. Don't have the stereotype. So, impatience is result is, is is creating a couple of things: nagging, <coughs> suspiciousness. <coughs> Maybe he's cheating on me. Why is he doing out so late? What's happening? Anxiety. Anyone who feels trapped will experience anxiety. After trying all the therapists and tactics which were supposed to get him to grow up, she gradually realizes how alone she is. A lot of women in relationships complain of being alone. He is not there emotionally. He's not there physically. It's a two-way street. Some women want him to be there 24 hours a day and have a full-time job. And that's not possible. So it is a two-way street, but also there's a lot of men who are absent from their relationships for whatever reason it is. Shame. She's too ashamed. She doesn't want to let anyone into her personal life. Women in general like to be private. Rage. She's waiting up all night for him and all of a sudden, she had two and a half hours to build up all her problems. Every issue she ever had is coming to the forefront. Where are you? <laughs> Despair. You know, it all else fails. What now? Failure. And that's a big one. The therapist tells her to respect him more and build him up, but she's left wondering, how do I respect someone I don't respect? No one has figured out the answer to this question, by the way. She feels that she is a failure for not being able to satisfy her husband's infantile needs or for being such an enraged and resentful witch. It's very important not to get to this situation. And we're going to talk about how not to get here right now. The examples I just gave you, some of them I didn't go through, you can go through yourself, are very extreme. But there's a little bit of this in every situation. Now, I'm going to give you some practical things that you can do right now, today, whether you're in a relationship or not in a relationship, that could avoid all those things. If you're married to a bachelor type, and men can also be married to the bachelor type, the bachelorette, 
It's also, it's not, it's not only men. It's, it's more common in men, but it's not, in our world of equality, it's becoming more and more common with women as well. You are soon to learn that you cannot force another person to grow up. No amount of nagging, hounding, threatening, moralizing will ever help. Coercion only makes them more distant and violent and makes them feel like the victims. The most important thing a human being can do in any stressful situation is to focus on choices. It's important to understand how you deal with crisis. And you're going to know how you're going to deal when things get tough in the relationship. There's a lot of ways of dealing with crisis. There's some people who can deal with crisis very well. They get into crisis, immediately everything, all their emotions mobilize, and they get the job done. They get, they're the ones, there are people like that. Yeah. Percentage of them? Two. Two percent. Thank you. They're called CEOs. Yeah, two percent of people can do that. Most people, when they get to crisis, they freeze. They just freeze. Somebody drops on the floor, right in front of you. You freeze. What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? You panic. That's most people. What are you really waiting for? You're waiting for someone to give you directions, for that 2%. <laughs> for that person, for the CEO to give you directions. Because most people will respond well to directions. Yeah. It's like soccer, yeah. One guy makes the goals. That's 80, I mean, it's one productive guy, the rest of the team depends on it. And it's very, it's, it's very important to know there's ways of, for example, you ever see somebody who's in a, who, you, ever, you ever see somebody who's in a real crisis who is in a position like a CEO? What do they do? What's the person they do? They become very still, cold, no emotions. Most people, when you get into crisis, everyone's flying, everything's all over the place. Somebody who knows how to deal with crisis will get still, calm, focused. Sometimes they'll even put their arms on their side and just freeze up, they'll tense up their whole body. What are they doing? They're allowing their brain to function even in crisis so they can make the right decision. They do it for 10 seconds, 15 seconds. And then they know how to do it. They know how to deal with it. They know how to take care of every, every situation. There's always a crisis in our lives. There's always a crisis. We have to get to a point where we can deal with the crisis in a normal, functional way. So let's go to number one. Acknowledge your grief. You feel like a married widow. The difference is that real widows are given sympathy and understanding. While everyone tells you what a wonderful guy you married. Or what a wonderful gal you married. Huh? If you are grieving a person, a relationship, an experience, a mother, a father, if you're grieving, you must allow what we'll call the Shiva process to pass. 
the reason why there's an incredible system of grieving in the Jewish, in the, in the, in the Jewish faith is because it works. You need to go through that process. The process of disbelief, the process of, 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 of anger, of, of denial. There's a process. It goes denial, anger, resolve, or contentment. It's important to go through that process in every situation. If you're getting over a relationship, go through the grieving process. Allow yourself. Don't let all those emotions get caught up inside. Allow yourself to go through that process. You're going to deny it. She really loves me. She really does. She really thinks I'm awesome. Then you're going to go through the, I hate her. She's an idiot. <laughs> How could she do this to me? And eventually you're going to get over it. And you need to do that in every situation. Allow yourself to go through it. It takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. You can't expect it's going to happen. And you will get stuck in other relationships if you don't go through the grieving process before. Yes, I should. Hopefully, it's part of the balance of, of life. Resist hope dope. Many therapists and advisors offer you hope, promising that he will change if you just respect and accept him. The truth is that no one changes unless he feels a sense of shame and a strong desire to change. Don't expect ever that someone is going to change for you. You're not that good. And why should they? If you don't like something about someone, the question is, can I deal with it? Not, will they change? And usually, the answer is yes, by the way. The usual answer is yes, I can deal with it. It's not that bad. I mean, maybe to someone else it will be bad. Maybe to my therapist, they can't deal with it. But to me, I can deal with it. You know, I think that's important to understand, that you're not choosing a perfect person. You're choosing what can you deal with. Be responsible. You, too, might want to be irresponsible. Crawl under the covers and drown yourself in self-pity. Instead, you must be a positive role model for your children. And yourself as well. An irresponsible and unpredictable father has a very negative effect on children. Therefore, do everything in your power to train them to be responsible, reliable, and trustworthy. Although he lives in chaos, you must adopt predictable schedules. Go to sleep, get up at a set time, have set times to pray, eat, exercise, work, and give children a sense of predictability and reliability. You will have to find a job as you cannot rely on him for money. Responsibility in your life is the most important thing, personal important thing. Being responsible for yourself. If you're in a bad situation, put yourself in a good situation. Even if you're in a bad situation, put yourself in a good situation. And it's very, very important. I didn't put this on the list, but it's, it goes through every single one of them. The reason why it's not one specific thing, it goes through every single one of these, and that is do not take surveys. Don't go around telling everybody you can, this is my problem. If you are the kind of person that needs to tell everybody, you better find someone to talk to on a bi-weekly basis. 
therapist. Yes. Do not make every one of your friends your therapist. Okay, you can have one friend who you talk to, but don't talk. There are people, <laughs> you just like, <laughs> you sit down across the table from them and they spit out their whole life story. It should not be that simple to get your life story out of you. You should have a little more respect for who you are and for what you're doing. Absolutely. Yeah, of course. They they they, 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 they want to be justified. Like, oh, I'm not going through that bad after all. Look how bad this one is. <laughs> Your love life is private. Your relationship is private. If it's out for the whole world to take part of, where is it for you to take part of? Where, what are you taking part of? Your relationship is private. No one should know anything about it unless you go for help and that, only that person should know. Professional person who's not going to go tell the world <laughs> about what's going on. And it's important, and even for the outside world, for your friends, it's important that they think that you have a perfect relationship. Oh, you're going to say to me, well, Rabbi, you were lying. Worry about yourself. Don't lie to yourself. You can lie to your friends. You can also give away a lot of your energy, too. That way you've got nothing left Exactly. The whole day you spend talking to all your coworkers about your problems with your relationship. And then, when you go out with the guy, you have nothing to talk to. You've spoken the whole thing. There's nothing to talk about anymore. You've figured out all your problems already. Okay, you know, you, I dealt with it already. Don't worry. Who are you? <laughs> I dealt with our problems with someone else. But you know what? In the dating business, slowly, slowly, you disseminate, you propagate your story. I'm sure that I put all the dialogues together. That's my whole story. How dare I? You cannot avoid it. You can't avoid it. You can't avoid it. Because those dialogues are really important for you. They're really important for your, for your understanding of how you deal with relationships. Write them down. Record them. Because you're allowing them to go out into the world and you have no way to get them back. You need to know what you're saying. Sometimes you say something to someone about your relationship or about a situation and you don't even know what you're saying. And if you were only to listen to it, recorded, you say, oh my gosh, I cannot believe that I am saying this. And it's really important to know that I am saying this. Hide your anger. I use this as an extreme example, but I think it applies even without children. Being angry at him makes children angry with you. They will take his side, especially if he is laid, the laid-back type who pampers you and indulges them, just as he pampers and indulges himself. Hiding your anger means 
the same way that your life is private, don't get angry at him or her in public. If you have some problem, hold it in and wait until you're private, in a private place, in a private situation. You must, must keep your relationship private. <clears throat> Accept the conundrum. This is basically a no-win situation. No matter what you do, you'll be seen as wrong. If you accept the behavior, he's happy because he wants to be free to come and go as he pleases without restrictions. If you criticize him, he uses your resentment as an excuse to feel like a victim and attack you. When you're in the heat of the battle, don't try to win. You may win the battle, you'll lose the war. Don't try to win in the heat of the battle. Wait till you guys are in a normal place. And my last point is pray to be grateful, not bitter. Lack of love can make a person very bitter. It takes hard work to overcome this cancer of the spirit. The most important is to turn to God into a source of love and strength. It's really, really important to try to find peace, not to become a bitter person. It's very, very easy to become bitter and to be frustrated and angry at the world. There's only one way I know how to do it. Pray. Prayer is a very, very powerful thing. I know it's coming from a rabbi, but tough nuggies. <laughs> Prayer is a very, very powerful thing. And when we pray, you really have a way to connect to something beyond ourselves. A way to connect to something that, that, that makes more meaning and more power and more pride within who we are. And even when, the, even when the world is going down, even when the world has got us in a bundle, I'm not going to fall prey EY, pray to the garbage of the world. I'm going to pray to create my world. Without prayer, you become prey. Can I ask you a question? I mean, also, I don't know how it relates to women as well, but I'm sure there's a way. But why is it a mitzvah to where it's feeling? I mean, it's the same thing. Why? Why? I mean, what are we doing that's good? I mean, I give charity, understand it's a mitzvah. But what, what is, why is prayer? You know, you know, tefillin is a very powerful thing. When you wear tefillin, tefillin faces, the head tefillin faces your brain, and the arm tefillin faces your heart. In prayer, and I know this is not politically correct, but I don't care. In prayer, a woman by nature can find balance between the heart and mind. They have the ability to find that balance. It's, it's the ability to, to the, intuit, the intuition, the ability to extract situations and to be able to piece things apart. A woman has a natural ability. A man doesn't. So therefore, we need external things to help us. And that's what the tefillin does. It really connects our heart and mind. It's very important because you can come from an intellectual place and pray. Or you can come from an emotional place and pray. You need to be able to come from a, a, an emotional 
and an intellectual place. And that's what the tefillin does. And it's really, really powerful if you are able to, to connect. And it doesn't happen overnight. You know, you can't just say, uh, you know, I'm going to put on tefillin once, I'm going to get that experience. And the truth is, if you put on tefillin once, you, do, you, you could get that experience. But over time, it builds up, and you're able to really create a very powerful connection and, and, a, and a resource. And we need to, in order... My, my mentor used to always tell me that men, by nature, are obnoxious. That's the nature of a man. If you don't want to be obnoxious, you have to do something. So that's what prayer does. Prayer makes obnoxious men not obnoxious. <laughs> and for a woman, it's a very powerful thing. You know, I just spoke about uh, the candles, and, and there's, there's so many things that you can just do to be able to connect to a higher power. Otherwise, the moment you fall into the trap of bitterness, you're finished. Because then you're a bitter person. Who wants to be around a bitter person? I don't mean a, a sad person. I don't mean upset. A bitter person. You see, people are just bitter. The whole world's out to get me. Yeah. So how do I... How am I honest with myself? The first thing to do to be honest with yourself is be able to give yourself over, over to a higher power. That's number one. Everything we spoke about here today will be a result of that. Yes, it's very important things. And these are things that people fall trapped to, and these are things that cause divorce and problems in, in the world in general. But I think that being honest with yourself, you need to go to some place beyond yourself. Whether it's prayer, whether it's a therapist, if you need it. I'm not saying just go to therapy just because it's a nice idea. Some people really need it. Most of us don't, and I think that being able to accept a higher power in our lives helps to avoid a lot of conflict later. Any other questions?